0: House. Okay. Make it
1: I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that.
2: Wait, what? Country Door Magazine, Country maybe? Country Door Magazine. Why do you have that? I don't know. It came in the mail, but apparently I'm pre-approved. <laughs> <for> <laughs> pre-approved? I don't know. What? if I'm approved for a door. Were <laughs> for a sponsorship? For receiving this? Yeah. I mean, thank give God they're gonna send me some doors because is it just all about doors? Give us a
3: taste. Yeah. What's like a featured item in there?
2: I see some cabinets. This,
0: this remi- looks like it looks like a Downmarket Williams Sonoma no not Williams Sonoma. What am I think? Yeah, Williams Sonoma. Y- it's
2: somewhere between and Pier One. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, it's somewhere between like Fishers uh, Pottery Barn and Sky Mall. Yeah, Pottery Barn. <laughs> that's yeah. Like, yeah. that's what this is in the zone of. I imagine that there's lots of people who masturbate to this. Yeah. But <laughs> I I feel bad Just picturing about picturing
0: myself in that room is is highly erotic.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's like upsettingly these plastic flowers are just making me want to do that. Yeah, it has a strong myself. country
0: door. It has a strong uh, from a distance from like the ten feet away. Could this be your last catalog? Ever? <laughs> are we gonna come <laughs> and kill you? Well, wow, wreaths wreath Things yeah, whole section on wreaths, starting at fifty dollars. Sorry, four nine 99 <laughs> Wreaths are definitely not a thing that anyone does outside of like Swedish pagan ritual. Okay, to Beth, it oh, it's a bath that looks like a flattened roadkill rabbit. Wow,
3: <laughs> for sure.
0: It's so overwhelmingly designed to put you in a state of of, of ease that it actually accomplishes the opposite.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, it's the uncanny valley for like yeah. you're this about is like, to be yeah. murdered. This is like
0: I'm I'm in I'm in a sim- look Jesus, look at this.
2: Yeah, oh no, God. it's like hilarious. I'm in a simulacra of a home. It looks like. The inside of the houses that I imagine exist in the underground world of a boy and his dog. Awesome. Yeah, Perfect. you want to you want to hold it like a little door. country, country <laughs> door <laughs> magazine. You say, you say country
0: door three times in front <laughs> of a mirror. <laughs> you walk <God>. back out, <laughs> don't and your it. entire in your t- no, yep, in front of a mirror in a dark bathroom. Your entire you come back out, in your entire apartment is outfitted like country door. Yeah, don't do You've it. You've got like the um, the mixed font like in this house we eat and we pray <laughs> yeah. and we. Stay together. <laughs> you know that yeah, sort of pillow yeah. says something. Yeah, right. No,
3: no pillows unstitched. Right.
1: Love, hope, chastity.
0: You just gotta like have all these like phrases lying around because you know, you have to be reminded constantly
1: of that was when i was carrying you yeah yeah
2: oh god <laughs> i think it's probably what like somebody must have done before the 2016 election and like we all accidentally went into like country door netherworld and that's where we are now oh uh, welcome huh. to the show everybody <laughs> Some, someone did uh. a, a country door spell and we're in that world right <laughs> yeah now. we have landed we're trapped in the world in of in country, country door magazine uh in the dark lands i'm your host asher lack with me are my co hosts the honorable sam lazarus Yo. Raphael Ruttenberg, ESQ. Hi. And today in our fourth chair, we have Han Foyer, friend of the show. Welcome to the house. Thank you. Hello. And today we are talking about Ghost in the Shell, 1995. Speaking of like the uncanny nightmare valley. We sure are. I, you know, 1995, uh, (laughs) many,
0: many young Japanese boys, I'm going to assume... Probably got very horny for this movie. And yeah. American. Yeah, this is... If they released it in the US, sure. I remember
1: Indeed. watching it late at night. Did you...
3: No, yeah. oh, go ahead. I'm not going to yeah. ask. This was the first released at the same time, US and UK, oh, hoping for it to be okay. uh, an international hit, but so it was there may, a sleeper.
1: Right. So there may have been an earlier anime release, but it wasn't simultaneous yeah. with a, with like the rest of the world's release. Um is yeah. that what you're saying?
3: Corre- I think yeah. it was those three places. Oh, okay. but it wasn't a hit i'm not yeah something huh. along those lines mm-hmm. this movie was a
2: very horny like <laughs> critical horny one <level. laughs> yeah i know i was like in no, 1995 cuz
1: as a as a kid like when we kid when as a teenager when this was on tv and i watched it late at night like yeah it's sexy i guess but like now looking back like it really isn't that it's not a sexy movie. Like there's one scene where she's in her invisible suit, you know, and you see her boobs.
0: It's the first like 10 minutes of the yeah, movie. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's like the you come into the character, it's like, "Oh, she has boobs." But I noticed she doesn't like even have genitalia. Like or at least you don't like you see her naked. It's full frontal and it's just like a Barbie Ken doll. doll. Yeah, Barbie yeah. doll. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if it's I don't know how it
2: was. (laughs) We didn't say the horniness wasn't. We have a version of this
0: argument er, argument or whatever. Every single time we watch a movie. I don't know if they intended to make her genitalia. We didn't see for instance a uh, uh, male genitals to, to compare and contrast. So I don't know <laughs> all if that I'm was saying, intentional.
1: All I'm saying is I'm not sure how it was received. Like boobs. Wait, what? Oh, I
2: think this was received by like some very proto intel dudes. I think it was received hornily. Yeah. No, I mean,
1: I know how it was received in the culture that I grew up in. I'm saying I don't what know. What culture did you grow up here in? Here. Japan. In America. You grew up eight blocks from me. Yeah, I know. I'm saying in our culture, yeah, it was certainly that way. It was titillating. But and you don't know now, if it was titillating like, in Japan. In, right. That's what
0: I'm I, I assure On the you, Upper West Side, it was considered very
2: titillating.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, was it not? Wasn't that the point we were
2: making? Also, can we just say, like, not only is this movie, like, very horny, but it's also, like, there's a lot of really upsetting, like, sexual annihilation in this movie with her body getting just... I, am I tripping on this? Am, am I? No, did, I think you're probably. Am I sick? Like, I feel like did you I guys watch are the wrong thing? I don't know. What do you think? Han, huh? um, please. Yeah, you're, uh, you're Wait into this. We're gonna put you I, on uh, the spot. Here.
3: <laughs> I I think I watched a totally different movie. No. Uh, I, <laughs> um, Dude, what was the rating on the movie you saw? <laughs> it, was, it was four minutes long and <laughs> <laughs> it was, just tentacle uh, porn. <laughs> oh, mine was rated
1: <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein. I guess what I'm getting at is like Japanese animated porn I, certainly now like this is not porn in that context right? oh this is we've not all seen it
2: yeah we've all seen la blue girl yeah. and like that Demon was Beast. on an invasion
1: and la blue girl didn't know is like is. that's contemporary to this right so that's kind of my point is like Japanese culture was producing some pretty intense Stuff. erotica at yeah. this time and so I don't know that in that context this really like it's horny for an American audience but I don't I don't know if it would have played that way in Japan that's all I'm saying
2: yeah, that's actually pretty reasonable to say. Oh, thanks. For, for, we finally agree. I guess mm. we can wrap the show up now. Cool. Thanks for coming, everybody. <laughs> I don't know. So first impressions other than like horniness? I don't know.
0: I'm not convinced. I think this had extremely high horny levels, especially uh, for science fiction,
1: which tends to be kind of chaste.
2: Yeah. I would I say it tends to be. The mass
3: market depend.
1: stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But like if you've read any Heinlein, you wouldn't feel that way. Uh, what if I have read Highland? I just what if I don't remember it. Well, like Stranger in Strangeland is basically about a sex cult. So should we do a plot breakdown? Yeah. Let's do it. I'm breaking what down. What
0: happened? <laughs> <laughs> Let us know.
2: Let me sift, sift through this. Yeah. And, and so for listeners who haven't seen this movie, it's super short, which I fucking love. Yeah. It's super short. And there are like significant scenes where nothing's happening.
1: Like where it's just music and scenes of the city, which I love.
2: Yeah. The animation in this movie was very groundbreaking and it was, it was sort of seen as a spiritual follow up to Akira in terms of the level of care that went into animating it. And I and guess, obviously aesthetically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it definitely, it falls, I guess like right in the middle or like at the high point of cyberpunk. Certainly the matrix yeah. borrows a ton from it. Uh, definitely Trinity, the character from the matrix aesthetically owes so much to, uh, Major. The Major. Thank you. Again, similar to Akira, that like, in Akira, the the politics of the world is orthogonal to the action of the movie, Mm -hmm. right? And it seemed very similar in this, where like there's definitely, there's like political vying, palace intrigue, kind of, there are different departments of whether it's a government or like a non-governmental agency, it's unclear, Mm. um, and they all seem to be kind of I don't. I don't know. It, I'm losing it. So, so in,
0: I, yeah. So I just think it's interesting to note that this had something in common with uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, yeah, totally. which is that there are uh, you know different departments within their government, different like spheres of influence, different powers who sections. Are different sections. Yeah, the Section Six, Section Nine, and in, in Evangelion, there's something similar going on. I don't, it's like with um, well, what are they called? Nerve and the military are separate, right. and just like that, they're vying for power with each other and they're competitive they're actually even like in open conflict a lot of the time Mm. it's interesting to me and i feel like that says something because um in western science fiction that is pretty absent
1: why is that the case in japanese sci-fi does anybody here know i mean i assume it's just a more honest take you know like all governments are like that maybe in japanese culture it's like more something that you tell stories about than here i don't know
2: I also thought that maybe it was a function of the sort of political worldview of cyberpunk as a genre, but like you don't see this in Blade Runner, right? You don't see it in Blade Runner, but Blade Runner is sort of the very first introduction to that world. Right. But like, if you think about the world of like William Gibson, like Neuromancer or something like that, Mm. I don't know. Yeah.
1: I only bring up because I only bring up that story because in the book, there is that dynamic going on, right? Like, there's some question about the legitimacy of the police force and who's actually running them and yeah and that's, that's a, totally elided from the movie yeah or almost totally as we discussed
2: like a through line in all of Philip K. Dick's writing I mean right. it's in Minority Report as well in the book not really it, again, in the movie. Again, yeah again.
1: so maybe it's something we just don't like to handle in American culture we don't like to look at I don't know
2: yeah I mean I, I think I
0: understand why in the in the West especially in the US Ideas of power are unitary. There's like unitary idea of power that 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 it is a monolith, and the only opposition we have to power is you know through the individual or isolated bands of people, and we can't really conceive anything else. The idea that there's like a group within the government that is equal to and opposing other groups in the government and that there's no clear-cut good versus bad and there's maybe I'm answering my own question here that there's like it's a spectrum of malice and and evil going on Uh, maybe I mean that's just something we have trouble processing Uh, because it's definitely (laughs) sci-fi
1: because that definitely comes up in like cop stories right you always get the jurisdiction question like in x-files that was always like hanging over their heads was that there were different factions in the FBI, and then there were other government agencies and stuff. Right.
0: Yeah, but it wasn't. It, it was like only Fox. Uh, it was only Mulder and Scully who were like trying Speaking to speak truth to that power. Yeah, they yeah. were. They were yeah, like. Uh, they
2: were really. Well, and... Just a
1: good argument.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> okay. it's still,
2: like, the idea of, like, the lone yeah, totally, hero right. or the lone group of heroes <laughs> that are acting in opposition to a monolith instead of, like, again, what, what Ghost in the Shell shows us, which is, like, these weird, equally valent power structures that are, like... And I would say that the, the actual analog is probably the fucking cia and that's probably why we're not equipped to confront it on like a fictional level yeah
1: i mean that's not a good point what do you have against the cia (laughs) (laughs) i mean
2: as as a former agent i just think that their dental plan is not that good right but you know hopefully the Mossad will really take care of me i believe in them oh boy i'm cutting that yes Uh, please okay cool so should we break the plot down i thought we we were cool so wait also does this movie have a start date like a conceptual year is 20 it twenty 29? twenty, 20 oh.
3: nine? Thank you, Han. They do actually make it explicit. Cool. Yeah, yeah it says it many many times. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I have learned
2: to smoke weed <laughs> through is. methods other than my television, <laughs> so that's corrupted. It's my actually just
0: flashing in the bottom of the screen. Yeah, the yeah, time. yeah right. it's the Japanese <laughs> one it is anyway. I don't know. Every every, name, every time the major's <laughs> naked bod is on <laughs> screen, it goes 20, <laughs> twenty twenty nine. Twenty twenty nine.
2: Yeah, so basically the year is 2029, and we open, it's sort of in medias res, right? Like there's about yeah, totally. to be a takedown of this clandestine government handoff of a kind of cyber operative of some kind. Programmer. Yeah, yeah a programmer of some kind, and it's unclear, like there are multiple government agencies, as Rafu and Sam were saying before, kind of vying for who's going to either... Capture this person or what's going to happen and it seems like the guy is extra governmental, right? The hacker or the computer programmer that they're all kind of trying to he's I, th- I Think they do answer this, but I, yeah, I don't know at the, definitely not the
1: beginning. I think the idea is that he works for section six or he did work for section six
2: Okay And I kind of, again, I loved that. That was the thing about this that I thought was really good because essentially they're basically saying like, yeah, the levers of power are being run by like some government and some like massive multinational corporate interests, right? And that's sort of the cyberpunk, this is the world we live in.
1: Yeah, that corporate part is not super clear in the movie. Like they refer occasionally to the company that manufactures the parts and stuff, but it's not really a character in the movie directly, right? You never meet anybody that works for that company or anything. Notably the really terrible remake of this. That's the whole plot. Like it's just about the, the company that builds these machines like going rogue.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's the government's job to lock them down. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Come on sheeple. Um, yeah, so that's when we meet the major and she basically is breaks into this, Sort of melee in process, but the programmer dies. Am I getting this wrong?
1: I can't remember if he actually dies. I think
2: the diplomat gets blown up. Okay, yeah, some people get
1: shot. I don't know. Maybe he does die. I can't remember. But anyway, she diffuses what's going to be an embarrassing diplomatic
2: situation. Well, talk about embarrassing. She's naked
1: she's invisible.
2: Wearing, yeah like inviso oh. camouflage i mean and that Thermo is like camouflage. a dope like iconic shot of her jumping yeah, totally. backwards off of the roof of this building and then her skin kind of blends in with the rest of the world around her i don't and know that
1: shot where she like passes her hand over her face and then
2: disappears that's yeah. pretty badass that's, that's pretty cool rad. yeah um so uh, we fast forward past that to essentially like she's back at the office and they're like debriefing her after the thing. And we learn about this hacker named the puppet master who's again, opaque stuff. It's like a clandestine plan to assassinate a bunch of world leaders, but to what That's end what they
1: think at first. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it doesn't really make sense that the motives of the puppet master, where the puppet master is. I mean, Again, I thought that the interesting thing about this movie, and I feel like I'm talking way too much today. That's all right. Um, yeah, I'll allow it. Is, it's, you can divide it into basically four set pieces with a few little scenes interstitially to sit, like sew it together. Structurally, it's not a very complex movie, right? It's like there's the opening scene with the attempted assassination. Then they're chasing down the puppet master, which it turns out is just some guy whose brain has been hacked. Which like, and again, that's a super iconic scene of them shooting at him in this watery, like, thin pool. Yeah,
1: fighting while she's invisible.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then they catch that guy, and it turns out his mind's been wiped. I think it's worth talking a little bit about like, the the trash future setting of this Mm -hmm. it's a cool
0: style it's like it's like a future where there's a lot of like cybernetic stuff happening but it's also dirty and grimy it's a very wet movie in the same way we talked about blade runner being wet
3: like this is very damp
1: you don't find out till towards the end i i think it's supposed to be tokyo that the camera zooms out on did you find any details on that?
3: i had heard hong kong hong
1: kong oh okay
3: I thought they had a name. For well, whatever
1: names. name they have for it, like there's been some cataclysm. They talk about it a couple of times. There's been a flood. And okay. like the old city is like mostly submerged. And you see it in a couple of those panning shots where there's like a seawall or like streets that are now canals and stuff. It's a pretty cool aesthetic.
3: Uh, allegedly, there was a typhoon while they were working on this. Oh, yeah. And, huh. Or maybe ma- like writing the, the manga and... That is how that happens. Okay. Nice. That's where Again, the visuals come from. Fact check this. It's mm. all from the internet. Tweet learned us it yesterday. Internet. Yeah. Mm.
0: Interesting you said that because it seems like various cataclysms work their way into Japanese yeah. science fiction. I mean, like famously Godzilla. Surprise, surprise. Is, yeah, is a reaction to, in part, to the bombs in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And the
1: tests in the Pacific. Yeah. That too, yeah. obviously, yeah. Rather directly. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Neon Genesis Evangelion 2 and this one, there's like this kind of trauma that's getting processed, I think, through these movies. Particularly, you know, Godzilla, but this one for
2: sure too. There's like an incredibly long exposition scene, which I was sort of like, why? Again, and was it better in the subtitle version? Because in the dub, like the dialogue was not unbearable, but it was so dumb where the major is like diving. This is after they take out the puppet master's new puppet and discover that he's just another like brainwashed person i guess and this is when we learn about the idea of the ghost versus the shell so like the shells are these genetically slash machine enhanced bodies and then you put someone's you like upload their soul or their consciousness into it and that's their ghost and you can ghost hack people remotely to get them to do what you want
1: i would just add to that there's not a hard line drawn between the shell being a cybernetic body and the shell being a fully biological body. Like they refer to the ghosts and shells of both fully and partly augmented humans.
2: Right. Hmm. So then there's a long scene after they do the takedown of the puppet master's puppet about the major sort of diving and swimming in this water, which, yeah, you're totally right that this movie has an unbelievable amount of water imagery in it that I don't know why I didn't catch that before. Um, Maybe because
0: I had to go to the bathroom when I was watching it.
2: Yeah. So basically, I don't know. The dive scene is like a very meditative and she comes up and then has a conversation with her partner about like the nature of what it means to have consciousness. I don't, it seemed kind of heavy handed to me. It didn't seem like something I really, I, I don't know. What did you guys think of it? I thought it was, I thought this
0: movie tended towards heavy handedness with the philosophical content not that it isn't interesting i mean like they um you know i guess they're addressing i think what you'd call in philosophy the the mind body problem idealism versus mind body dualism i don't know it's it's cool it's it's a cool topic and it has like renewed relevance because this is stuff that's been grappled with dealt with thought about for millennia i mean like you know, you could even trace there's a there's a straight line between the idea of a soul as close to like a an er belief as you can like imagine in human thought like the idea the idea of a soul is like what i I, it's like hard to imagine a conception of human consciousness without some conception of the soul but that changes into ideas of the intellect in the classical period so i mean like the uh, plato and the phaedo talks about the intellect being distinct from the body because because of the forms which is to say that the idea is that actual physical bodies are impermanent. So they're less real than the forms of those things. And the intellect can apprehend those forms. It's able to work as the intellect because it can apprehend the forms. So the intellect is distinct and separate from the human body because it, has to, it works on a level that is, I guess, higher than the corporeal things that are surrounding it. And that's one of the proofs that he has for the immortality of the human soul. So... Just sort of interesting. And then that turns into like people are sort of grappling with it in terms of the intellect for a long time. And then like Descartes is the most famous pre-modern Renaissance philosopher. Deal with this and everyone knows about like... I think therefore I, th- I, I am. think therefore I am. And like then we sort of like are dealing with that for a while. It's, that's actually not about intellect. It's more about human consciousness. And that's the first time that that's really dealt with that way. And then now there's another way that we're having to deal with this, which is artificial intelligence artificial consciousness and that's sort of like a new dawn of a new way of grappling with this very old issue so i think it's cool that this is dealt with that way
2: just to rewind to when you were talking about plato and like the mind the intellect being immortal because it comprehends forms like for listeners who don't know what a platonic form is it's basically like the idealized or abstract version of something that when you bring it into being, you're not really just making a thing, you're channeling the ideal or the platonic form of this thing. So, like, if you think about a chair, at least that that's how I was taught it. it, was like, you know, you think about a chair, there are some fundamental aspects of chairness that basically hold all chairs in common right in some way you, they make chairs a category
1: but yeah. also that that chair doesn't actually exist in the real world it only has meaning as this abstraction the right the yeah. like canonical chair. exactly uh yeah
2: i think so and you know i think sounds right to me i think it's it's interesting because i feel like i don't like, know enough to disagree <laughs> <laughs> me neither <laughs> <laughs> to, to jump like super far into like weird esoteric stuff there's this oh, yeah, dude, on. Jacques Vallée, who talks about, like, uh, the idea of, like, the mind is an antenna that's actually accessing. I mean, this is, like, esoteric thought, like, people who talk about, like, the Akashic records or whatever fucking nonsense. I don't know what that is. No? Nope. You Akashic- guys don't know about that?
0: No. Oh, God. I really... This is esoteric secret knowledge. So, Asher is really into, like, warped mind-bending <laughs> shit. The weirder, the better. Like, if there's a conspiracy theory, Asher's heard of it, just... Is that why you have on your bookshelf?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, that's, that's part that's of my workout. Yeah, that's like, that's, that's like the least most troubling thing on there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I, I should probably that. give you uh back. Oh, well, that book's been like roundly discredited. <laughs> yeah. indeed. Um, Yeah. And my copy, of which you also have. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Sophie enjoyed that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: I just wanted to say that that quote is apparently from the Bible. It's Corinthians. Okay. So. And she ends it at the end. It's the line, uh, you know, I
2: I put away my childish things, same verse. And apparently there's the order is switched. Okay, fair enough. Right. And it's supposed to be a reference to sort of childhood's end as the AI transcends into this new age of being able to learn and grow. Um, Because what we end up coming to find out in like the subsequent scenes is that the puppet master is not actually a person remotely hacking people. The puppet master is a program that was created by one of the other branches of this government, right? So if the Major works for Section 9 of the government, it seems as though Section 6 was responsible for creating the Puppet Master, and now the Puppet Master is trying to break into Section 9 to merge itself with the Major because... I think the story is that it was built as a tool,
1: and the tool's purpose was to ghost hack was to take control of humans so they could be used essentially as sleeper agents. Right. And in the process that AI achieved consciousness, it wasn't meant to achieve. And actually that's a, a difference I remembered from the dub and subtitled version is that in the subtitle version, the programmer is explicitly talking about before anything goes down about, you know, the difference between a bug, knowing that there's a bug and being able to debug it. Which then I see going back as a reference to like consciousness is the bug. They've discovered that this thing has achieved consciousness, but they don't ha- they don't know how to take the consciousness, consciousness out away. because they don't know what constitutes it, right? Which so I thought that was kind of cool.
2: I mean, this movie has so many great conceptual ideas and is structured so tightly, I guess the like I'm it's a shock to me that they couldn't remake it live action well well. yeah Yeah, it was it was just like this is it's all on the fucking page just have somebody rewrite the dialogue so that within minutes
1: within minutes the the scarlett johansson version has like blown all of the interesting philosophical implications of the anime out of the water like now we're just talking about like corporate malfeasance yeah and nothing about the nature of consciousness really man fuck that yeah it's pretty lame
2: also I didn't think that the movie did a great job talking about and again I saw the lesser version of it I guess but I I didn't think the movie did a great job of talking about consciousness in an interesting way like it was pretty ham-fisted with a lot of the philosophical stuff yeah I mean I kind of yeah
1: I'm gonna do that thing you guys hate when I do I think it's awesome I think that this movie is like showing you from the perspective of someone learning it on their own for the first time so it's not about the philosophical philosophical discussion about what is consciousness. It's about like what is the emotional journey of someone questioning the nature of consciousness. Yeah, that's very, you, that's very interesting. I had not really thought you. about it like that. I keep coming around to the scenes like where the major is like not doing what she's told and you don't really know why. Kind yeah. Of. Like her actions don't. She's not following orders and it's not clear what her goal is until the very end. You understand that. Well, I'm jumping ahead and we haven't done the plot right
2: now. That's kind of it for the plot, right? Is like they discover yeah. that the puppet master is this program. They kind of race off to this final confrontation in it where the major basically gets the shit killed out of her. And what do you have? Like, God, I mean, that scene when she's trying to, she fights a tank and she's trying to pull the lid off the tank and her muscles. Oh, yeah, jeez. Yeah. Wasn't that fucking grotesque? That's yeah, why I mean, like, sense. they build up this person that as was like this erotic yeah. sex object and then they're just like, here's get get disgust like like watch Mm -hmm. these i mean it was wild it was really interesting to me prurient violence (laughs) yeah exactly
1: i read that scene as like the viewer the the male gaze is seeing this prurient thing prurient thing but for the major she doesn't care about any of that shit she just wants to fucking kill this tank so that she can get inside and commune with the puppet master with this newly conscious ai so like she has no disregard for her physical form her shell is Is meaningless to her at this point, right? So the viewer is supposed to be looking at like her bulging muscles, but like she cares about consciousness, about what is consciousness, what is her consciousness, and what is the puppet master's consciousness, you know, and how how do they fit together? And I think that's why she like abandons her orders. That's why she goes in without backup, knowing that they're going to blow the shit out of her, and that there's this tank there, you know. She has to get to him because it's the only thing that matters to her. So the,
0: I think the goal, the driving force of this newly conscious AI is that it is, it is conscious, but it wants to experience death, right? Is that what it...
2: It's I very th-
1: unclear what the AI... It wants to merge with her. It wants to experience change, I think, of which death would be an example. It wants to experience growth and evolution. You certainly can't have either of those things without death. So okay. that's part of it. I think that both the Major and the Puppet Master die. Yeah. And what you're left with is an AI that's capable of growth. Which is interesting because... Yeah. Maybe that's... I think that's sort of
0: 180 degrees from what you'd expect, right? Totally. Because, I mean, like, uh, I think our conceptions of an artificial intelligence or, like, a, uh, a consciousness that is not... A full consciousness that is not human is that it's... Or the consciousness that is in, embodied in a machine, like in the title... Is that it is, um, you know, it is. It's a a, immoral, or that it just has a drive to sustain itself or reproduce. Like it has, like a sort of like warped, uh, you know, mirror image of what we have—the the will to live, except lacking in any kind of breaks that come from like existing within. Um, uh, you know a, a cohort a society where you have to where you have these emotional responses to people So that's usually how these things are imagined, but it's it's actually pretty radical. I think and I can't think of another movie that does this That imagines an AI that wants to die or whatever it is. I mean, I thought it, that's
2: the impression I got from it Didn't it seem really well first of all? Yeah I think it's true that it's really interesting that this thing bucks self-preservation as an instinct mm-hmm which it's so the opposite of every other conception of AI, which is I mean, like,
1: not really. He kind of, ex- it's not that he's against self preserv he, d- he wants to preserve himself and he knows that the only way to preserve an, an entity, a thinking being is by allowing it to die and change. Right? Like, because if he doesn't, then he isn't a living being. He's just a program. Right. Right. So it's, it's, it's I think that there, I know what you mean, like in the near term, he's opposed to his own self-preservation, but in the sense of like, you know, to borrow a line from the matrix, giving birth to AI, like having a real entity, an independent being, which is fully artificial, requires it to be, requires it to die, requires death, right? So he knows that, he's not looking at his own self-preservation, he's looking at the birth of a new species, and the preservation of that, that variety of intellect
2: you know so why because this was the thing i i agree with you i think you guys are both kind of it's it's wild to think of an organism that can both understand self-abnegation and think that degree of long-term understanding i'm kind of interested to know why her why the major what is she because yeah i didn't understand that yeah um I don't know. Because she's
1: questioning her own nature, maybe? Because
0: she's naked. Well,
2: is she... I mean, are we meant to understand that she was somehow the product of a similar process from Section 9? That somehow, like, Section 9 produced a different type of artificial intelligence? And that these two things need to wed?
1: I think that they have a similar dilemma. They But they've come at it from opposite directions. Like, the major questions... Her meaning without the mortality of her shell and the puppet master questions his meaning without the mortality of his ghost.
2: But was she ever a human? I mean, it's clear that her shell is completely constructed, but she was a a human. Yeah. Okay. So then it's, yeah. So somehow it's like maybe she's on the network. Like how does, how does she she considers the human part of her being
1: to have been so fully replaced by artificial parts that she doesn't, she doesn't even remember who she was before. She doesn't have any memory of being a human. She doesn't even know. She says it a few times in the movie. She doesn't even know if she is, uh, you know, an intellectual individual or if she's just the result of the, you know, the programming that they've put into her.
2: Well, and also we see that at the very beginning of the movie, the opening shot or before the, the kind of movie starts, the credits have her body being constructed.
1: Right. But her mind isn't. Her mind is human and augmented. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. It seems like they're meeting in the middle. And I would say, like, if I were writing this story, I would say that the Puppet Master picks her because, because he hears her doubting, right? Like, in the net somehow. <laughs> like, he, he picks her as a target cool. because he knows that she'll be sympathetic to what he's going through.
2: Yeah, I I think that's as coherent as anything they say in the actual movie. Yeah, Sam you did it again. I feel like you give these movies more credit and power and interestingness than they necessarily have. have. Yeah, (laughs) like like (laughs) I I can always trust you to be like bringing something smarter than the movie to the table. Maybe we should all be watching the movie on our phones. Yeah, not
3: on our high between bong bong rips.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Han, was there anything you want to talk about with this movie?
3: Um, I the score a little bit. Yeah, hell oh yeah, awesome. awesome. Me, Did it remind scores. you of any other scores? Yeah, um, A League of Their Own for sure. Hell yeah! <laughs> um, <laughs> can you can you fucking
0: imagine? <laughs> um, <laughs> can you fucking imagine? Um, Ernest goes to summer camp.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it has so much to do with how like the, the emotional yeah. impact, obviously, and uh, I mean yeah. it's not obviously, and no no one doubts this, but. The emotional cues that you take from movies, but can you imagine like redoing like a League of Their Own (laughs) with Ghost in the Show
2: or the Akira soundtrack? I think we got to do that now. Well, this and the Akira soundtrack were very similar. Yeah. I thought. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah. it
3: it definitely reminded me of that soundtrack. I mean, I listen to that soundtrack sometimes on its own. Hell Uh, yeah. Because it's fucking frightening. Yes, it's intense. Uh, Kenji Kawaii. I'm cool. Guess okay. that's All how right. I see that. Thank you, M- Mr. Kawai. Uh, yeah. Wings over Everest, uh, 2019 is the last score done by oh, cool. this person. I'm going to no, listen no. to it now. So nice.
0: How would you like describe the genre of this? Is this a jock jam?
2: Oh, I <laughs> definitely just a jock jam. For <laughs> sure. Also. Um. Uh, yeah
0: so the question is what makes something a jock jam and the second part is what was the last song that was a jock jam mm-hmm. and it's hard mm-hmm. the first part the first question is extremely difficult to answer the second question is also difficult the first part is really hard so is the um, soundtrack to coast in the shell a jock jam
3: I think it's the first Jock Jam. It's the first Jock, Jock Jam. This is, yeah. the, this is confusing. the platonic ideal for a Jock Jam. Because yeah. there were Jock yeah. Jam's
0: albums before 95. Mm, mm. Maybe. I don't know. I actually don't know if that's true. I think it I is. Think I think yeah.
1: Jock Jam
3: yeah. Volume 1 came out in 95. Not to Whoa. say they all were released that year. Jock, the compilation, Jock compilation. the first Jock Jam's Volume four. 1 was
0: just the Ghost of the Shell
2: soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> People were like, yeah. <laughs> um,
3: yeah. They just say, pump pump it up a couple of times. <laughs> all. I
2: was about to say, that to me <laughs> is pump like, up the yeah, that's like a, a hallmark. A lot of songs about pumping it up, a lot of whistle sound effects. No. Yeah, so I think
0: um, we might need to cut this, but I think that the idea behind the jock jam is that, I, to me, this is like, it's a type of song that you, if you are really, really insecure, this is one way to see it. If you're really insecure... <laughs> about your masculinity it's the type of music you could play that no one would ever impeach you for being un- not masculine enough so I, go, I only listen to pump up the jams uh what is the, uh, that's a good point i need to buy some <laughs> yeah, bruce springsteen
3: maybe. yeah and uh, literally uh,
1: anything by bruce springsteen which we're not gonna i have
2: fucking hate
3: bruce oh, springsteen fuck bruce on, springsteen
0: man. asher and i are this is the place where we Wait actually to, agree. Yeah, we agree on this. Bruce. Springsteen, I just think Bruce Springsteen agree.
2: is bullshit. It's anodyne joyless like again. I remember funny because
1: my counter argument would be that you are joyless
2: because I don't enjoy Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. I have deprived myself of exactly. one of the great joys. feel about Bruce sounds Springsteen. like being
0: stuck in traffic on a highway. <laughs> That's what Bruce Springsteen sounds. like. These maybe are similar
2: emotions. Maybe. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so um,
3: yeah the soundtrack is great <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna throw a couple Facts out there of what else was going on In yep. 1995 yeah, in please. cinema uh, The Oscar winner that year Braveheart Classic yeah, the That's, best, a jock <laughs>
2: that's definitely, <laughs> definitely a jock definitely. jam Definitely
3: yeah. oft visited topic <laughs> Mel Gibson on this podcast yeah. Yeah. Uh, Best song Colors of the Wind oh. Also a jock jam for Sang I that think. in Spanish Maybe. class yeah. oh, cool. It was dope well, Wait
1: isn't that also from an animated film? Hmm. Mm. Yeah. hmm. Interesting. <laughs> what have we stumbled upon? Yeah, how hit, is us, the hit
3: us with some more 1995 facts. Yeah. I'm fucking <laughs> digging two, this. Two more. They're both sound related. Um, <laughs> well, one of them is. And then there's another one. This um, is how we do it by, <laughs> mo- by Montel Jordan. <laughs> um, Apollo 13 sound mixing. Uh, and won the best Oscar? And, uh, it won the, yes, yes. Uh, the best Oscar oh. the best sound <laughs> mixing won Oscar best. won the best Oscar <laughs> all the other true. Oscars are bullshit it's yeah. subjective but probably not actually yeah um, that was, one sets um, for visual effects it was babe huh is that yeah Wait, visual effects. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Babe. that was real. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought it was real. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Babe, Babe, big the city.
2: <laughs> Babe is the second horniest movie to come out in 1995. Is. <laughs> well, is it is.
1: <laughs> this is how we do it. This is how we do it. That's a joke.
3: Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, I thought that would... The, that's really um, insightful, right? Yeah, that changes yeah. the
1: whole <laughs> impression. I
3: yeah, this is this film. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that, it's uh, a cultural landscape. Uh,
0: Bill Clinton is president, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. and not, right yet mm. not yet under oh impeachment. Not yet under impeachment. Ah, the days when we believed
2: yeah. that we could make a better world. Yeah. So at the end of the movie, she merges with the AI. Totally. Or that is
1: indeed what happens at the end of the film. Yes.
2: Which is, I don't know,
1: did you, have you guys read Neuromancer? Is that that the one where they end up like in a space station? Yeah, they're doing like
2: a, so this movie definitely takes a lot. I mean, the place that this movie occupies in sort of the sci-fi canon obviously predates the Matrix, sort of predicts the Matrix's aesthetic to a huge degree, the green and black, the kind of uh, falling number chains There's a bunch of other stuff. I mean, her hair and Trinity's hair, very, very similar, kind of outfits that they're all wearing. So yeah, this movie definitely predicts a bunch of shit that shows up in the Matrix. It's a huge nod to Neuromancer plot-wise, because that's the whole plot of Neuromancer. Spoiler alert for the book, is that the characters who are on this sort of heist caper, it turns out they're being guided by an AI that's trying to jailbreak itself by merging with its AI counterpart. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I love the idea that, that the consciousness arises by accident. I thought that was maybe one of the more interesting things this movie adds to the canon. I think, like to me,
1: that's like the coolest and most likely sci-fi um, storyline that I know of. Like there's also something like that in uh, in the Foundation series uh you know it comes up in sci-fi but but i think that in in my opinion outside of fiction i think that consciousness is emergent and so if you make a complex enough code base it will be conscious like we just haven't gotten to the point where we have enough complexity that that happens that's my opinion about about artificial intelligence i'm talking about you know i think we're the timeline people always talk about ai is right on the horizon i think we're hundreds of years away at least but when it happens Whoa, that's seriously? how it's, it's hundreds happen. of years for like proper intelligence proper cogn- like but we know, can't even define of this it. type yeah well that's kind of what i'm saying like i don't think we could ever write consciousness i don't think you can write software that is conscious but i think you could write software which is complex enough that over time it learns to be conscious does that make sense why Why do I think that? Why could could you? Why is this something that the software could do for itself, but not something you could code? Because it, because consciousness comes out of complexity, not out of analysis or algorithms. That's my theory. Anyway, consciousness comes out of complexity.
2: Yeah, I like that theory a lot. I mean,
1: it's it's not. I don't understand it. Like,
0: I'm not saying it's wrong. I just don't understand.
1: The thing that I always go back to is metacognition. Like, how do you code the idea of understanding your own process? Which I, th- I think is a necessary condition for consciousness. Like you have to be able to ask yourself, am I conscious, in order for the answer to be yes, I would say.
0: And it, it, more than that, it has to be, can it be spontaneous question of am I conscious, the ability to self-reflect without the spur to self-reflect, yeah, like well, you are, I am making you self-reflect. Well, Look, so there's a bit of a paradox
1: there. Like if I write code, which says, well, that's what I'm saying. consider your own nature, like that's not metacognition. That's just cognition, right? It has to be, that, that question has to arise naturally. Exactly. But I think, I mean, like, is it one of the
0: problems of philosophy that we talk about all the time also on this show, which is that like, we don't know that our consciousness is not some kind of decision tree. That, you know, there's not a uh, cognitive
1: determinism. Sure. I mean, yeah, I guess. So we talked about this. It's probably been like a year now. But I, I kind of consider that distinction to be useless. Like if we are not conscious, then then the question becomes, can we build something which looks conscious in the same way that we do? That's really, it's the same question, right? Yeah. I don't actually care if my illusion of consciousness is an illusion or not. I'm just saying in order to have that illusion, I don't think you can like, write code that would have that illusion of itself.
2: I think to sort of maybe sum up why you say Cold that we need to make a more complicated system in order for consciousness to arise is basically you're saying we can't arrive at a nonlinear system Creation through linear means, and the means that we're using or employing now, basically anything that we employ now is directives. It's I like mean, do this, do that's that. That's not
1: exactly what I'm saying. Okay, um, I'm more saying that I don't think, partly because I don't think we can write a good definition for consciousness. I think I essentially agree with what you're saying, Raph. I think the the barrier is like you can only algorithmically build something that you can understand algorithmically, right? Analytically. So if I can't write down rules that say this is this is what consciousness is, then I certainly can't write down rules that will arise from which will arise consciousness, right? Not on purpose anyway, because I don't have that knowledge, and I don't know that we'll ever have that knowledge. In fact, I th- I think that it's sort of impossible to have that knowledge. Like yeah. I think the only well, also, entity yeah, that I mean, knows like if like an entity yes, is our consciousness subjectivity is, is a
0: is a pretty strong barrier to yeah. So so it's not that right. I'm
1: saying you couldn't write a deterministic that it's impossible to do, I'm saying, I don't see how we could do it. So what's more likely is we'll write systems which are beyond our understanding. Right. And at some point, their complexity will give rise to consciousness.
2: Of some kind. Of I, some kind. I totally... Yeah. Well, I understood you from the jump, right? Like, the, I I cool. got what you were saying. Sorry, I was looking at you. I should have been looking well, at Well, no, that. it's sort of like, when I think about it, it's like the primordial soup from which life arises, right? It's like, it's a complex system. I don't know. Maybe I'm... Again, no, I think oh, it's very similar, I, think, yeah, I, I tend sense. to blend those two ideas together, but it's, again, like, yeah, we might not be able to create life in a lab the way that it arose in primordial I mean, primordial life is sort Earth. of
1: similar. Like, the thing that we... We say the definition of life, you know, is a few things, but one of them is the ability to self-replicate, right? But that's a thing that, assuming the absence of a, like, programmer, that is God, right? Then the, the emergence of life would have to be a thing that emerged from, co- like, just complexity. Like, things being moving parts. Eventually, they became parts which wanted to make more of themselves and to me like that's even conscious yeah like absolutely. that difference between like random string of protein and like an rna strand that reproduces itself like that is the same thing it doesn't have a narrative experience of questioning its own existence but it has a function it has a directive doing that. Yeah. yeah so i don't know yeah yeah Alright, should we throw it to endorsements? Oh, we're done already. I, I, I feel think like so. there's so much else to talk about in that. Like, I mean I particularly was excited about the concept of of the just the central, you know, like MacGuffin or whatever, the ghost hacking. Like that's really a cool concept that you could like overtake someone's personality somehow digitally. That's terrifying to me. And specifically the reason that I will never have a chip in my in my brain oh yeah like and in fact I think this whole concept of cybernetic augmentation like this movie is the reason it's a bad idea there are people who uh, are this like movie oh, yeah
0: like so, someone's gonna make say, a profit off of you like if you're if you're inviting this type of stuff in someone's gonna make a profit off of it it's,
1: there's, there's no uh, yeah that's like the soft danger no <laughs> like yeah even if they don't take control of your mind they're gonna be monetizing it
2: yeah absolutely yeah.
1: it's a scary thought to me like, you're supposed to be safe in your brain, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah, which is, you know, but again, you're supposed to be safe in your house, and yet people keep inviting in sort of, like, web-enabled products that are spying right. on them constantly. Yeah. I read a cool um, short
0: story that's supposed to be part of a longer novel that I have no idea if it came out or not. Uh, it's by this writer, Hari Kuntru. am um, He's Indian. I don't know how to say his name. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's it's about that. It's about like really upsetting dystopian future where there's like rare earth minerals mining. Guy is like, you know, downloads like aug- like uh, cybernetic augmentation for his body and like pays for it on credit, obviously, and like gets a virus and like dies from it. Um, it's just an interesting story. Like a digital you know? virus. Like digital virus. Like-
1: yeah. Yeah, we got enough of the regular kind rolling around.
0: I don't know. What? What? Do you, huh? Would you do that? Would you? get uh, a microchip in your head?
3: No. Um, Yeah. I think someone jokingly mentioned to me recently about um, like, yeah, having something in your head. So you didn't have to like, it would preemptively like take care of a need you had. Like it's like knows you're about to be hungry or something. And it like takes care of that. And I was like, yeah, that that's, that is my nightmare. I think. That's, uh, I mean, right. Anything in your head. Yeah. But Uh,
1: my mom has like a blood sugar sensor. She's diabetic and like a insulin thing. Like that's awesome. I I think there is a line here somewhere where, you know, it makes sense to do, but
3: yeah, I don't know. In medical advancements, that's definitely a different conversation or the same conversation. But yeah, I mean, I don't
1: know where my line, my personal line is like, if I got diagnosed with diabetes, I would want a sensor. Right. So I would know what my blood sugar's at and i don't have to be pricking myself all the time you know but yeah but the but sensor it's totally different isn't
2: f- if the sensor was feeding information back to monsanto about your insulin consumption well it could
1: be these machines are proprietary we have no idea you know fair enough is it wi-fi enabled but <laughs> i think the issue is more like because that that sensor so it's a little scary because it I think the one my mom has doesn't, but there are ones which will provide insulin. Like she still takes a shot, right? When she needs insulin. But so somebody could hack your insulin supply and just like overdose you and you'd go into
2: a coma. Right. Can you fucking imagine? Yeah, absolutely. Let's write that movie right now. It's a scary thought.
1: And like pacemakers, right? Like a friend of mine had a, has a pacemaker and he was saying that they like program it wirelessly like he just walks into the room and the doctor like holds this thing over his chest and it downloads all the data, wipes the cache and like does it whatever upgrades are necessary. Oh right? wow, that is fucking yeah. insane. So he's like firmware right. updates. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah. It's it's like so
0: like you can pump blood twice as fast. Yeah, I <laughs> think it's. Bad. I think it's more about like
1: uh, <laughs> the the point I'm making is like it's that like having two hearts, like right now it's it's hard to hack a device like that because you need physical proximity but you can see how that would be like a value added feature like oh we'll program it from the office you don't even have to come in and now your heart is online like Mm -hmm. that's kind of terrifying to me
3: (laughs) I was going to bounce the question back I guess uh, generally how far would you if you haven't answered already
0: I don't know I'm super paranoid about this stuff I'm pretty much an unwilling participant in most of um, modern life anyway, so I probably nothing.
1: <laughs> like you'd rather we all were just agrarian like serfs. No, no, and I actually w- I would not want that. I'm
0: <laughs> just the the iteration that are you surprised the iteration that modern life has taken is one in which it's like, you know, basically robbing you of your dignity, identity and material comfort for some idiot oligarchs gain. Like that's everything pretty much. And I don't like that, but it'd be great if we had fully automated luxury space communism. I'm all for that. Yes, please. Give me that. I don't need to be working on no bean farm. (laughs) I love beans
1: by the way. Let the non-conscious robots handle that.
0: (laughs) I love
2: that everything resolves to like eating beans out of a can and like the destroyed shell of the uh, the Empire State Building. You don't need canned beans. No, you have
1: like a bean tube coming out of the wall.
0: Fresh beans are better than canned beans. I don't
2: know. Han, though, talk to me after the show. Yeah, you got a fresh bean (laughs) hookup? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't know. You go all the way. No, I'm opposite. I mean, except for my hair and if I needed something to survive on. Like if somebody was like, oh yeah, you need to download some hair implants or some shit like that, I'd be like, okay, cool, that's fine. But Wait, if, so if it, like Wi-Fi enabled mm-hmm. hair implants? <laughs> yeah, then I would be, I'd be all over that. My vanity knows no. But if I said to like, mm-hmm. you, like, you
1: could put this chip in your brain and you'll have immediate, instant recall on all the details of all the conspiracy theories that you've ever read.
2: Pass. Really? No, I'd, I'd prefer to just work hard on remembering them myself. But yeah, if you said if I could put this chip in your scalp and you would continue to grow hair forever, I'd be like, cool, I'll do you that. You know, one. they
1: have. A thing like that it's called a wig
2: <laughs> that's true mm. um wig. but yeah i think i think i would have I to mean, be like my man, life would absolutely. have to be on the line for that mm. like i would you know yeah, lung transplant that's or something like too. that yeah like i
1: would still get the pacemaker even though it could be hacked if i did if not getting it meant i would die yeah, yeah. exactly
3: i don't know han what do you think um yeah i, I feel like that's where I'm at. i i yeah i'm pretty skeptical of most um I don't know. Like I, I have tape over my uh, MacBook camera. Sure, you're oh, you're smarter yeah, me than too, me. Dude. I should do that. Everybody should do that because they're yeah. fucking watching all the time.
2: All right. Should we
0: throw it to endorsements? I can only think about beans now.
1: <laughs> oh, I wanted to say uh, in the god-awful ScarJo version, Yeah. Uh, the, there's a dude close to the beginning of the movie. They're like talking about all the augmentations they've all gotten and he like just the night before has gotten a liver
3: augmentation oh, geez. so that he
1: can basically drink as much as he wants and never be hungover, that's one I would consider.
3: Yeah, I think that was uh, one of the robot... Like on the boat, they talk about that as well, as they're oh, drinking okay. beer. Oh, so it's they must not have from, just sort of Oh, right.
1: No, they talk about how it. they can just be sober instantly if they yeah. want to. Yeah, that's right.
0: All right, Raph, what do you got? Uh, I don't have anything. I can only think about beans. Chase hearty Bean Stew. I think a nice, um, nice doll with some uh, black lentils and some red kidney beans in there. Can't can't beat that for a delicious dish. Far out,
3: huh? That's the endorsement. That's my endorsement. Yes. Right. Yeah, I guess um, just schedule that dinner and then I'll endorse that dinner at a at a later date.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I endorse having gone to that dinner in the future.
2: Yeah, it's a good
1: one. I like it. TV punks.
2: TV punks. TV bongs. Oh yeah, good TV stuff. bongs. Far out. Yeah. Double purpose. It's good stuff. Cool. So I'm the only one endorsing. I I don't know. You got nothing too it's terrible. No, I wanted oh. to endorse. Oh wait, what do you got, Sam?
1: I, I have a podcast I've been listening to. That's oh, which awesome. one? It's called Robot House Podcast. I hate you, Sam. It's okay. The hosts are pretty annoying. That's true. Yeah, don't listen to it. Go ahead, Ashley.
2: No, I wanted to to endorse Wolf Parade's new album, uh, Thin Mind. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's good. Obviously, if you don't know, apologies to the Queen Mary because you're like some Zoomer who somehow found this podcast because I was your substitute teacher. Um, Go back and listen to that album because it's classic and probably like the best punk album that's come out since you were born in 2005 but um yeah but thin mind is pretty friggin' rad i like yeah cool all right thanks so much for tuning in guys you can follow us on social media at robot house pod
3: uh i'm at asher lack uh, my instagram handle is that what i'm sure. uh yeah um at h underscore f o y hell yeah <laughs> nice oh
1: um at case of piles and that's on sam's twitter. twitter hell yeah my twitter
0: is underscore perkunos all
2: right and until next time guys thanks so much for tuning in bye later bye